and welcome to the Kids Planet Podcast. An opportunity to explore the highs and lows of raising under fives. Here are your hosts from the Kids Planet marketing team, Sarah Murphy and Emma Palowski. Hello and welcome to this month's podcast, where we'll be discussing all things mealtime and nutrition in early years. Just in time for Veganuary and Kids Planet bringing out our very own dedicated recipe book this month. Joining us today are two guests. Kids Planet Quality Manager Jennifer Gordon and Stacey Stewart, chef at our very own Worsley Nursery. Hello, welcome and hope you're well. Um, Would you mind just giving our listeners a little bit of background info on yourselves um, and how you got into your role? Shall we start with you, Jennifer? Yeah, so my name's Jennifer. So I started off in early years back in 2004. I then went into nursery management in 2010 and I joined the quality team for Kids Planet in 2020. During the course of my childhood career, I've always been interested in child nutrition. And when I was managing one of the nurseries, an opportunity came up for me to complete a childhood nutrition qualification. So I was really interested in that. It was all about designing menus, looking at what's important in terms of nutrition. So I completed that and that was a good few years ago now, but I think everything that I've learned on that's very much stayed with me and I've been very passionate about child nutrition and about making sure children are given that kind of healthy, healthy, nutritious, balanced diet across menus in nurseries. That's great. Thanks so much. And Stacey, do you want to go ahead? Hi, yeah, I'm Stacey and I've been working in hospitality and catering now for nearly 30 years. Um, I decided to start working in nursery settings when my children were young and I was struggling to get them to and from school. So I joined nurseries and I've just loved it ever since. So I've been in various nursery settings and I've been at Worsley now for the past two years. Fab, okay. And so we'll just kick off the conversation then. So why is nutrition so important in, in early years? I think nutrition is so important because nutrition links to everything. I'm sure you've all heard the phrase like you are what you eat, but actually that holds a lot of truth and a lot of value. And a healthy balanced diet is important for children in loads of different ways. And when we're looking at kind of a healthy, nutritious balanced diet we need to be thinking of what children are eating over the course of like two to three weeks not just in one standalone day because children as well as adults you know we all sometimes have bad days where we know we don't perhaps eat what we should and things like that um, but so we should be looking at over the course of a few weeks and if children basically don't have that healthy nutritious diet it can affect a lot of areas of the development so obviously it's going to affect children's growth so if they've not got enough energy and protein rich foods it might stunt the growth and physical development but also on the opposite side if they have too many calorie dense foods and saturated fats and things like that this may actually cause them to become overweight and that in itself leads to lots of increased risks things like heart disease type 2 diabetes a lack of energy to be physically active and things like that the other thing nutrition links to is learning So good nutrition or poor nutrition can lead to poor concentration skills. Children might be excessively tired, um, hyperactive, um, they might not be able to concentrate as well. And again, another phrase, um, breakfast, the most important meal of the day. Um, Mm. That's actually really, really true. Um, Because with breakfast, like it kind of says it in the name, we're breaking that overnight fasting period, you know, we're breaking the fast breakfast. Um, And this meal is really important as it replenishes your, your supply of glucose to boost your energy levels and alertness and by having a really good solid breakfast it makes it easier to concentrate 
in, in terms of for the rest of the day ahead. And then the other thing nutrition can link to is if you do have poor nutrition in your diet, it can link to reoccurring infections because the lack of nutrients and proteins, vitamins and minerals, it makes it harder for your bodies to fight and recover from infection. And I think particularly in early years, it's where we start our relationship with food. And relationship with food is such a massive thing. And if we can get that right in the early years, we're setting it right for the rest of the rest of a child's life then as well. Oh, thanks so much. Lots of information there. Brilliant answer. Thanks. Um, just going to go over to Stacey. Um, what What is the process for, for ensuring all the children's nutritional needs are met within our nursery settings? Um, well, you plan your menus and you plan it around making sure there's enough of the, all the food groups in one meal and you make sure that they're getting everything that they need throughout the day as well. So breakfast and then the fruit and then they have the lunch and a pudding or we do starters and main course and then we go for a small tea later on. So you just have to sit down and plan and you just have to map it around what the children enjoy to eat as well. That's that's also important as well as making sure they get everything they need. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, back to Jennifer. Um, for any parents who may be wondering, how do you know if your child is healthy? What are the signs of a healthy child? There are typical signs to kind of look out for. And I think ultimately all parents want their children to be healthy. And sometimes parents can worry that if children are picking up you know, little coughs and colds, it might mean, oh, it's a really, it's an indicator that they're not healthy. But this isn't always the case, particularly when children start nursery. They do quite commonly pick up little colds, which is perfectly normal because basically they're being exposed to different environments, their immune systems are developing and things like that. But in terms of what, how do you know if a child's healthy? Generally speaking, you're looking at things like, is your child getting enough sleep? Are they having regular bowel movement? Do they have a good appetite? Um, do they have lots of energy? You know, are they interested in play and exploring their environment and being inquisitive? That's a sign that your child is healthy. And of course, the most obvious one is growth and development. You know, are they growing and developing at that kind of pattern that you would expect? As part of the children's two-year checks, they will be measured and weighed as part of that NHS service shortly after children turn two. Um, but a good indicator usually is that kind of growth and development and looking all around, you know, are your, are your children happy to play? You know, they're not excessively tired all of the time um, and they're having the, the regular bowel movements because as, as lovely and delightful as bowel movements are, <laughs> you can't talk about nutrition without talking about bowel, bowel movements. <laughs> That's very true. And do children need five a day the same as adults or are there different requirements depending on which age they are? There are absolutely different requirements. Um, so yes, children should still be having the five a day. Um, but as I said before, it's really important to remember that with young children, their appetites will vary day to day. So they will have days where actually they barely want to eat anything at all. And they will have days where you think, oh my goodness, they are ravenous. Um, so in terms of portion sizes, um, they do need less than adults. So yes, in terms of the fruit and vegetables five a day, you are still looking at five a day, but actually look at the size. Um, so, I mean, gram for gram wise, adult wise, you're looking at around 400 grams a day of fruit and vegetables. For children, for young children, so for example, a one-year-old, you're looking at about a third of that, so around 130 grams a day. For a three-year-old, you're looking at about half of that, so about 200 grams a day. But I don't know anyone, me, myself personally included, that actually weighs fruit. So as much as I'm saying 
these gravel. It doesn't actually mean much. So instead, think of a rough guide. It's the size of somebody's fist. So obviously, the size of an adult's fist is much larger than the size of a child's fist. So if we're thinking, okay, well, an apple's one portion of, of um, fruit and veg. If that apple's a large apple, actually for a child, that's probably two portions of fruit within that. Um, bananas, again, bananas can vary massively in size. But generally speaking, you're probably looking at about half a banana is one portion for a child. Maybe about three strawberries is a portion size for a child. And the same is the same is true for portion sizes of carbohydrate-based items, such as bread and pasta and things like that. Children's portion sizes should be much smaller than adults. What an adult might consider to be a snack, a child may consider to be a full meal because that portion size is, is different. And also, child from child, that's going to be different as well because same as adults, children have different ages, different body sizes, different levels of physical activity. There might be a child that's really active, that's constantly running around. There might be a child that actually isn't as physically active, therefore they might not need as much. And with portion sizes, children also, they do recognise when they are full. And we shouldn't kind of say that, oh, no, you've got to finish that, you've got to finish your meal, because mm -hmm. children can recognise that feeling of being full. They might not be able to communicate it, and they might not be able to say, no, that's it, I'm full now, especially with our younger children. But they might show it in other ways. You know, they might shake their head, push the food away, ignore the food. They might just not want that meal at that particular time. So, yes, children need five a day, but the size of that five a day is significantly different to that that an adult would need. Very interesting. Thank you. Um, on the days where they're not so keen on eating so much, um, are there any tricks that um, you can give to our listeners on how to sneak those essential nutrients in? I wouldn't worry too much about one particular day. When I said earlier about it's about looking at the course of, you know, a week, two weeks, three weeks, and some children will have days where they are not that particularly hungry. Still offer the food, so don't just go, oh, no, you don't want it, don't offer anything, so still continue to offer it, but don't put pressure on it either because a lot of Yeah, and it's important to not pressure. get stressed out as well yourself as a parent, isn't it? Because the child can see that you're stressed and then it turns into a big deal and then absolutely they just won't entertain food then i mean i'm not it's really difficult to say don't get stressed because i can remember being when my children were little and, and they wasn't eating and you do you you're panicking thinking oh they're not going to eat and they're not going to be able to play out and they're not going to be able to do this or but they do like yeah. you said have off days and it is really important to just and children will eat when they are hungry they absolutely yeah. will eat when they are hungry um, so it's just a case of allowing yourself to kind of just remembering that. But what, as Stacey said, it is really, really difficult because you think, oh, my goodness, I've not eaten. That makes me a bad mum yeah. and things like that. <laughs> um, but no, children will eat when they are hungry. Brilliant. And Stacey, do you have anything else to add that you might do in the nursery at all? Or Well, we don't. if we have difficult eaters, um, like Jennifer's just said, you just have to keep persevering and just keep trying them with things. And you'll find as well that you, you might say, the parents might come in and say, oh, they're really fussy eaters and they won't do this. But yeah. in the nursery setting, when they're sat with the other children at dinner time, they will generally eat. Event, you know, after they've seen all the other kids eating after a few weeks, say if they're a new starter, they will start to eat because the rest of the children are eating. So it, it does click. But... If your children are like, because mine were, they were very fussy about vegetables and things like that. You can hide the veg, you can blend it into a sauce or yeah, there's just different ways of hiding it so they can get it. Uh, you know, if, like this instant 
today, for instance, at nursery, we're having garlicky mushroom pasta for tea. Now, I know if I left the mushrooms whole, maybe half the nursery wouldn't eat it, but because I've blended it up into a sauce, all of them will eat it because they can't see the mushrooms. Mm. So you just have to trick them sometimes into eating what you want them to eat. Brilliant. That's really handy. Thank you. Um, And what are the must-haves in terms of nutrition for every Kids Planet Child's meals at nursery? Um, Are there kind of six, I've heard there are six essential nutrients. Is that right, Jennifer? Yes, yes, there are are six essential nutrients. Um, So they are basically separated out. The first one is protein. So protein is essential for helping your body to grow and repair. And this is really, really important for children. Obviously, they are growing Mm. so quickly. And this protein can be either from an animal source or from a plant source. And the other type of um, essential nutrient that we have is carbohydrates. And these quite often are starchy carbohydrates. And carbohydrates are separated out made or separated up into sugars and starches that's what carbohydrates are made from and they they serve lots of different purposes but the main probably source um purpose of the carbohydrate is to give you energy the final one or not final one one of the other ones is fats so a lot of people are wary of fats because they think oh goodness you know we shouldn't have fats at all and they should be avoided completely and things like that but this is absolutely not the case the worry is because all fats are high in calories and yes they are but this is really important particularly for growing children Mm -hmm. Um, fats are important because they help support the functions of your body so things like the absorption of minerals the absorption of vitamins blood blood clotting and muscle movements and all sorts of things like that there are different types of fats so there's saturated fats unsaturated fats polyunsaturated fats and some are better than others but everybody still needs an element of fats within their diets the other types of nutrients we have are vitamins and this is all about protecting against diseases and staying healthy and it is true that many adults and children don't actually get enough vitamins the nhs does recommend that all children under five do actually take a vitamin supplement there are different types of vitamins within that as well Um, and then there's minerals Minerals are important for building bones and building teeth and regulating metabolism. Um, So minerals are things like iron, calcium, sodium chloride, which is obviously salt as well. Um, And then finally, water. So our bodies are made up of mostly water, and this is essential for everything in your body to work. It helps brain function, it flushes out toxins, it helps improve your mood, it helps carry nutrients to the cells, it helps hydrate your body, and of course, bowel movements. It helps with bowel movements. Um, so with water, it is just worth noting that babies under six months should only be given cool, boiled water, but over six months, tap water is absolutely fine, um, and you should avoid things like bottled mineral water is quite often the higher mineral content so that's things like salts and potassiums it's actually unsuitable for young children and it can affect the kidneys and things like that so you should always stick with tap water as opposed to kind of bottled mineral water but they're the kind of nutrient they're the the six um, essential nutrients um, that make up diet and make up um, nutrition Thank you. Um, so clearly food is such a huge uh, part of the child's development. What kind of training do the chefs at Kids Planet get to reflect this? Maybe one for Stacey. Um, well, we're all given a Noodle Now account when we start, which, I mean, it's continuously being updated that. I've had a new member of staff start this week and I just went on to show her what to do and I've realised there was another probably 20, 30 courses on since last time I went on. So there's opportunities 
for that for you to do that in your own time and also um, they just, just started... sorry Stacey just for anyone that doesn't know listening what is the, a Noodle Now account just... oh right yeah sorry um, no it's okay <laughs> the Noodle Now account is basically online learning so you have your own account with all different courses so it covers all of the childcare and all of your catering um, things and your cleaning of your premises there's just everything on there that you can, so you can do your hygiene, you can do your, uh, what to do this week? I just did one on Legionnaire's diseases. You can just pick any course you want to do. If you want to learn about it, you can do that course. Amazing. And then also what's happened recently is we can also do our MVQs, level two and level three if we want to. And that's a 12 month co- 12 months course and everyone's got the opportunity to do that. You get time out each week to spend doing that and you get your own tutor. Amazing. And in terms of food hygiene, which you mentioned, how often is that assessed and how do chefs ensure this is of paramount importance? Well, we we obviously have our paperwork that we have to fill out every day. Kids Planet has devised its own um, book now, its own daily kitchen diary. So everything's in there, the temperature of the food, the temperature of your fridges, your freezers, the things you clean every day. You need to check your probes every day. Um, you do your hygiene every 12 months, really, just to refresh. I do that every 12 months on Noodle now because the things are changing all the time, especially with your allergies and things like that. They're always being updated, all new legislations off the government. So it's quite informative as well. Amazing, thank you. Um, And how are the Kids Planet menus planned out? We... We always make try to make sure, well, we do make sure that they are getting what Jennifer said, that they're getting everything they need with each with each meal throughout the day. So we sit down and look at, like I said as well, it's like what the children like to eat as well. You could you have to sort of set your menus and then do a run for a few weeks, I do, and see how it's gone down. They do say as well that children need to try things I think it's 17 times is that right Jennifer is it 17 it's between um, 15 and 20 so yeah 17 is a, a good one good stuff 17.5 we'll go for <laughs> um yeah they need to try things 17 times before they decide whether they like it or not that's so, crazy yeah I know it's like <laughs> as adults if we didn't like something we wouldn't ever go back to it would we wouldn't say oh I didn't like that last time I'll try it again this time just to make sure so we have to do we have to make sure everything's there for the day and then whether the children like it or not which is important yeah definitely and just going back to um talking about nutrition for children and jennifer you mentioned before that undernutrition can affect a child's development is there also a link between physical activity and nutrition does eating well impact a child's physical abilities oh absolutely in, in so many different ways um so a healthy diet and nutrition give you that energy that you need to perform those physical tasks. And if children have poor nutrition, they will feel more tired, they'll feel lethargic, and they'll be less willing to try those physical activities. The other physical things that nutrition helps is things like your physical growth, so height, weight, but also your brain growth, things like healthy skin, healthy nails, healthy hair, um, good digestion, bowel movement, of course, um, healing processes. It develops muscle tone, posture, coordination, strong bones, strong teeth. I, I, could, I could go on and on. Um, it links to everything. 
But I think by having healthy nutrition and by having having that energy to be physically active, that then creates that that link. And that means that children are going to be more willing and more um, able to complete those physical activities and things like that. I mean, I'm sure we've all, as adults, we've had takeaways at one point or another, and then you feel particularly sluggish the next day and you feel a bit groggy and a bit sluggish. And that's the effect that nutrition can have on your body. Whereas if you've got, you've had a really healthy nutrition. It's the the Christmas dinner effect, isn't it, really? Exactly, exactly. So at the Christmas dinner, we've had, we've stodged out and we've had, and it's not just the Christmas dinner. It's all the, the biscuits, the chocolates, the mince pies. It's all those things yeah. that then add to it as well. And you feel sluggish. You need a nap. You don't want to go out for a run. Is it, it's, is it because your body has to work twice as hard to get rid of the food you've had, the excess food, that it's literally not got any energy left to move you about the place or to yeah. literally keep you awake? So it's processing everything you've had. So therefore, that's why you all fall asleep watching the EastEnders special on Christmas <laughs> Day because you just fall to the brim and your body's like, well... I can't move anymore, so I'm going to sleep. And it's never it's like one of those like spirals as well. So the, the worse you eat, the, the the less likely you are to be physically active. And then that cycle then, then continues, particularly with like overprocessed things that are high in fats and sugars and salts and things like that. Um, and the way that the world is at the moment, we are relying on those convenience foods more than ever, you know, not mm. as many I've got the time to cook from scratch and things like that. So, but it, that is that that kind of spiral that just keeps on going and getting worse, and you're never going to get out of it. And by having that really healthy nutrition and by having that healthy balanced diet, and it then makes children more likely to participate in physical activities. It makes them more likely to excel in physical activities, be better at them, enjoy them. And because if you're you've got excess weight that you've got to carry around, it's it's harder, it's heavier, you get out of breath more easily, and things like that. So there is a massive link between physical activity and nutrition amazing and um, so bearing all that in mind as we mentioned before we're bringing out a kids planet recipe book which stacy i know you've been a huge part of the process in creating um could you just give us a brief outline of why this has been created and your role in the process so i was approached by victor our head chef to jot down some recipe ideas for the menu and it, i just ended up doing the full menu um we've done it because i think like you've like jennifer said before everybody's busy aren't they these days everybody works and mm. i can just remember when i my children were younger and i had to make sure they were fed well enough they all played sports i was on my own with three children i had to get them home from school i had to feed them get them out of the house with literally in like an hour an hour and a half window and i always wanted to make sure that they had enough food, enough fuel in them so they could go and do their sports. And for me, I found that stressful and I can cook. So I know people that can't cook, like parents in some parents from our settings, they're so busy for at work and then they don't know what to cook when they get home. So if they've got this reference in front of them, this cookbook, and it's tried and tested recipes, not just from this setting, because like I said before, I've been in nursery settings for 10 years now. I know that children like these recipes that I've wrote in this book. So, and the quick and easy, some of them are in there, take a little bit more time, but they're freezable as well. So if, if you're stuck for ideas, I mean... I do it myself and like I just said I can cook thinking of what to make for tea every night is an absolute nightmare sometimes you're, like, yeah. oh, oh. you're opening the fridge and you're like what can I do tonight so if you've got 
recipes that you know your children enjoy eating, then you can do your shopping on a Saturday and set your menu plan out for the week. So it's another stress that you don't have to deal with as well as everything else. Definitely, yeah. And does it offer vegetarian and vegan alternatives, a cookbook? Yeah, there are some recipes in there, but on each page, if it's a recipe that's got meat in, there are suggestions to swap things out or say if it's dairy, you can swap it for the dairy-free alternatives. Um, and with this podcast being recorded during the January, um, we wanted to ask how does Kids Planet cater for vegan and vegetarian children at the moment? We, I have quite a few vegan children in my setting and they basically... If you looked at the dish, it's not much different from what the other children are eating. You just substitute the protein. You can swap it for like chickpeas and like the corn alternative and things like that. And it tastes very, very similar to what the other children are eating. There's always, whatever food is on that day, there is always an option for a vegan option or a vegetarian option or a dairy-free option. Mm. There's always an alternative for them. Brilliant. And on that topic, Jennifer, is it okay to bring up a child as vegan, vegetarian from birth? It absolutely is, yeah. But they do need some kind of additional considerations, both vegan and vegetarian diet. Um, basically, what we're looking at in terms of vegan and vegetarian diet is how they're absorbing iron. Um, and babies and young children absorb iron from meat protein much more easily than they do from plant-based protein. So that's not to say that children can't only have plant-based protein sources. They might just need more of it because they need it, it gets absorbed um, slower and it gets absorbed slightly differently. Um, so you should always make a consideration as well to or an attempt to include it in every meal. So when you look at all children, um, all children should be having two sources of protein a day. But if a child's vegetarian or vegan, you should be trying to consider three sources of protein a day and iron from plant-based sources is also absorbed better when it's eaten with foods that are high in vitamin c so foods high in vitamin c they're things like your vegetables and your fruit so it is a good idea to have the iron from your plant-based sources with those fruits and vegetables and you'd actually be surprised to find out exactly how much protein is in food that is plant-based so obviously you've got your obvious meat substitutes as Stacey's just mentioned so they are things like your lentils tofu nuts seeds soy milk but also things like quinoa, oats, edamame beans, green beans, broccoli, asparagus, lots of like the green, particularly green leafy vegetables actually contain a lot of protein. And also with vegan and vegetarian diets, it's just worth noting that they may also need additional supplements of B12 and the, the vitamin B12, vitamin or potentially iron um, supplements as well. So yes, it absolutely is okay for children to be brought up vegan and vegetarian from birth. You just do need to make those considerations and it might be worth speaking with an nutritionist um, or your doctors to find out do, does my child need that additional kind of iron and vitamin supplement just to make sure they are they are getting everything that, that they need to brilliant advice thanks so much um just as we're coming to a close and um, we'd like to end with some frequently asked questions around nutrition in early years if that's okay um, yep yep so, so i'll kick that off um what are the optimal times for a child to eat meals 
So in terms of meal times, there are better times um, to look towards. Um, you're probably looking at for young children around every two to three hours or kind of three to four hours. Um, eating schedules will naturally differ depending on the time that children wake up and the routines of the day. So you don't need to have an absolute hard, fast, rigid routine where, you know, this child's got, got to have a breakfast at 7 a.m. every single day. One day it might be 8 a.m., one day it might be half seven, one, one day it might be half eight, and that's absolutely fine. Um, but you are looking at around three main meals a day. And they would probably be your breakfast, your lunch and your tea and snacks in between. So a kind of a rough idea for mealtimes, you're looking at breakfast around seven o'clock, a mid-morning snack about half nine, your lunch about noonish, um, snack around three, perhaps dinner around five or six. Um, but they can be really, really flexible. Um, whenever children are having their mealtimes, it's really important that it's a sociable experience. And we try really hard at nurseries to make all mealtimes sociable. We don't want to hurry the children. We want the children to have a pleasant experience. The staff sit down with them. We have tablecloths. We'll have centerpieces. We'll sit and talk to the children. And at home, I think as much as you can reflect that as well, you know, try to sit down, sit round together to eat together. Avoid distractions. Try to avoid the TV and phones at meal times, just to make it more of an important time where you can sit down and, and talk and discuss and things like that. Yeah, I think that's a really nice thing to do. Um, Another question on this, is it okay to send a child to bed without dinner if they refuse it? I know that's something that I would worry about. Yeah, so again, it's coming back to that relationship we've got with food and things like that. And we, we quite often as adults, we try to think, oh, you know, you've got to finish everything on your plate. You've got to finish it all. And we'll force them and we'll say, not force them, but, you know, we'll, we'll try to convince them, say, if you do this, you can have this and things like that. But children are actually really, really clever. Um, and they might learn then later on if, oh, if I don't eat all my tea, you might get these nice, nice um, kind of sweet snacks later on, which are quite often processed, high in fat, high in sugar, high in salt. And these can be addictive and um, children can actually develop cravings for food and are often cravings in children are stronger than those in an adult and um, so as i said before it's important to look at their food intake over the course of the week not just day by day so if children aren't particularly hungry at that time and it might be that children are just too tired and they're too tired to eat a big meal which is why we try to say actually maybe the, the meal in the middle of the day that would be a better time for the larger main meal of the day as opposed mm. to one just before bed just because they're not ready to eat that meal and that can also um, affect children's sleep um, if they do have a really really big meal and then go down for sleep straight after that they're not able to process it quite as easily and um, it can link to kind of sleep problems and things like that and what it kind of does is eating a big meal stimulates digestion and what that does then is by stimulating the digestion process that's happening in your body that can disrupt the production of melatonin and melatonin is known as a sleep hormone so that can also alter children's sleep as well and I do apologize I've realized I've totally digressed from that question there <laughs> it's all relative <laughs> no it's good I mean I was, I was going to ask Stacey I know you've got two boys of your own three. what did you think of that oh is it three yeah yeah <laughs> Did you ever have I, to send them to bed without dinner? Or? Well, yeah, because everyone's lives are really busy and really hectic. And if you if you sat there as a parent now listening to this podcast, you could quite easily get a bit stressed going, oh, my word, I'm not doing this and I'm not doing that. Or, you know, you could, but it's really, you've just got to, Learn, like listen to your children and get to know the habits and so if they've had the tea and then they've been running riot for an hour it, it, or they've had the lunch but 
Oh, they've been to nursery all day, for example. You know, for if you pick them up from nursery, you know, for a fact, they've at all day. You know, they've had the, mm. they've had the lunch, they've had the snacks. So it's just don't stress and just, if they need to sleep, let them sleep. And then, you know, they'll eat a big breakfast the next day. It's not, everything doesn't have to be so regimented with children. You just, you know, as long as you know they've had something that day and they're not poorly and they're healthy and they're enjoying what they're doing, then just go with them, really. That's what I have always done anyway. And it's always worked, so... It's good advice. Yeah. <laughs> um, are there any foods, um, a food types to avoid in terms of healthy tooth development? Oh, definitely, definitely. So in terms of healthy tooth development and tooth decay, so tooth decay is caused by excess sugar on the teeth, and this comes from food but also from drinks. Now, it is completely unrealistic to ban sugar completely it's just not going to happen um but you can avoid certain things so things like dry fruits um they are not good to have as a snack because basically the sugar stays on children's teeth dried fruits are sticky they can stay in the crevices of your teeth um, and, then, and then that sugar is constantly there performing this little acid attack on children's teeth and things like that in terms of drinks um even drinks that are aimed at children and advertised as sugar free the, the quite often have artificial sweeteners or they might have additives in which actually form um, can help with, not help, can hinder with things like constipation and things like that. Um, but even naturally occurring fruit sugars, it's still sugar. Um, and the thing mm. with sugar is there's two different types of sugar. So you've got refined sugar and you've got unrefined sugar. And the difference basically is, is refined sugar has gone through a refining process. So it's gone through, and this is things like caster sugar, granulated sugar, and it means any natural nutrients and minerals have been completely taken out. So it is purely just empty calories. There is no goodness in it whatsoever. Unrefined sugar, it's still sugar, so it's still sweet. So again, still in small portions, but it's still in its natural form. Therefore, it still contains some elements of goodness. And this is your sugars such as fruit sugars, apple juice, dates, mashed bananas, honey. Obviously, don't use honey for children under 12 months. It has a certain type of bacteria, which aren't good with. All sugar creates an increase in blood sugar levels. But the difference between refined sugar and unrefined sugar is unrefined sugar has less of a sharp increase and more of a natural curve rise and fall, as opposed to that very, very sharp increase and drop um, that refined sugar does, which, you know, that it creates that sugar high and that sugar drop. Um, so other things that you can do in terms of like su substituting meals or substituting snacks for children um, that do particularly like sweet snacks and things like that is um, you can make some make things very easy, like a one-pan um, fruit flapjack, where you just simply have frozen fruit, water, mashed banana, chia seeds, oats, bake it, and they are delicious. They freeze really easily as well. But other healthier snacks, things like breadsticks. I'll have to get that recipe off you, Jennifer. Remind me oh, yeah, absolutely. Get that. Um, <laughs> um, breadsticks, <laughs> rice cakes, dips, hummus. <laughs> Um, cubes of cheese of course vegetables and fruit cut them up in different ways make them look appealing use a star cutter to cut carrots out for example so they're eating the stars um, mm. and different types of fruits so grapes but remember obviously to cut them and um, cut them lengthways different berries kiwi mango figs melon apple loads of things and other low sugar snacks are things like sandwiches or toast and fillings or toppings such as Cottage cheese, chicken, tuna, um, peanut butter is a fantastic one. Tahini, which is a sesame seed paste, it tastes really delicious. 
hummus and the other thing to look um, to avoid well in terms of um, sugary sweets and or sugary snacks that affect teeth and tooth development is things like like yogurts and particularly children's yogurts so things like fromage phrase and yogurt tubes they're advertised for children but quite often they're really high in sugars and um, fruit syrups or agar nectar which is a natural fruit syrup they're often added so yes it is still an unrefined sugar um but it's still additional sugar that they don't need. So one little small tub of fromage fray can have about three and a half teaspoons of sugar in one small pot. So plain yogurt or Greek yogurt is much healthier. You can just buy the big tub, put it in a bowl and just have a small amount when needed. And particularly with teeth development, the other good thing that's really good for vitamin D. So vitamin D is really good for healthy teeth development. This is found in things like oily fish, butter, eggs, milk, cheese, and of course sunlight because vitamin D is known as a sunshine vitamin. Mm. Um, in terms of that healthy tooth development, children um, over the age of two should be having annual trips to the dentist. You should be brushing teeth every day, making sure the toothpaste has got good fluoride um, and having parental guidance when you're brushing your teeth. So I know with my, my son, he's two, he wants to brush his teeth independently, but I know he still needs that extra bit of help from me because all he'll ever do is just brush his front teeth. He'll never get his back teeth or his top teeth and things like that. So it's making yeah. sure you kind of give that guidance, really. And then if your children are... Um, have a preference for those kind of sweeter drinks and juices and things like that try to avoid giving them through a straw and um, because this, um, what happens is the straw then concentrates the sugar onto the front teeth so if an open lidded cup is much much better and dilute it down as much as possible and keep diluting it until eventually you can hold up to so we're drinking just water because water and milk are the really healthy drinks that we should be having and um, there's no need really for children to be having those kind of sugary drinks because that that is the worst thing that we can do in terms of um, healthy teeth development that's really interesting yeah i didn't know about the straw as well with the front teeth yeah, well, quite often children's cups are advertised and, you know, like, oh, it's it's great, it's non-spill and the, the straws in them, it's built in and things like that. And, and they're advertised to parents, but actually it, it's, the straws don't do anything good at all. So it's yeah. much better to just have an, an open cup that they can just drink from independently. Wow, well, that's that's great. I'm sure you could write a book with all that information. It's great. <laughs> Sorry, I do talk no. a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I was just wondering as Every well. Every day's um, a school day when Jennifer's about. <laughs> Yeah. And Stacey, did you have any um, tips for su sugar substitutes that you use in the nursery for children that might have a sweet tooth? It's like Jennifer said, we, we eat fruit and things. So, mm -hmm. yeah. And like Jen so Jennifer's gone about yogurt. So you do offer them the plain yogurt, but you can always add things like the pureed fruit to that. A little like few, few blueberries or raspberries, little just to give it a little bit of taste. So they think they're actually being tricked into thinking they're getting a treat, but they're actually not, mm -hmm. you know. It's about substituting cakes and things like that. It's all right to give them a cake. Not, we're not saying don't let them have. We we give them cakes once a week, but there is ways of making cakes as well without without sugaring. You can add things like dates and stuff like that instead, which is which are sweet, so you don't have to put as much sugar in. You can always it to balance as well, isn't it, Stacey? Yeah. It is completely un unrealistic to say don't give children any sugar at yeah. all because that's never going to happen. And no, we need sugars when we look at what children need. They do need that as well, but it's about that balance, and it's about well, we know actually we don't have cakes five times a day every single yeah. day. You no, know, it, and I think as well, balance. it's how you word things. So if you if you're giving a child a bar of chocolate 
are and a cake and you're saying that's a treat that's for you that's your treat they're going to think well this piece of apple is not a treat for me because a treat is a cake so if you start saying have this piece of melon this is your treat today and things like that then they won't associate cakes and sugar with having a treat they'll they'll, they'll start associating other things with it yeah definitely my son loves fruit and he will say to everything like oh nice yummy melon nice juicy purr and things like that (laughs) Um, but that, that again that comes from our relationship with food and and how you know I talk about about the healthy food with him and he understands it and he yeah. Yeah, and they want to learn. Like, yeah, I go, I'll go up to preschool, we'll have exotic fruit day and I'll get all the, the fruit, the, the ones that all look dead funny and they're all different colours and you say, right, this is this is a papaya and this is this came from this country and they just they're like wow and yeah. then they want to try things and <laughs> and then you say oh this is a special treat today we're all learning about these this yeah. is this and this is that and, they, and they, they just like it so if you speak more about food with your children they'll get excited about it because it is it's you know it's a good thing to speak about food it's amazing food you know it's just it's nice to eat it's just great so if you if you speak to them from a very early age about healthy food then they'll get to learn it and they'll get to love it as well yeah amazing thanks that actually um it's a good way to end our FAQ section and that actually marks the end of our podcast. Um, thank you both so much for your time and such an informative session this week. Um, I'm sure the tips will be of so much use to so many of our listeners and they definitely will be to me because I actually have a little one of my own that's not even one yet, but I've been jotting down some tips from you guys. So thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, thank you so well, much. Thank you yeah yeah and thank you do join us at, um, again next time for another episode of all things early years thanks for joining us and to our guest today tune in next month and in the meantime pop over to our website and follow us on social media kids planet working together to inspire your world